final segment of Nair Tamid COVID Heroes. Um, this has been just such an enjoyable series for me to get a chance to meet and get to know so many people from our shul and some of the truly heroic work that they have done over the past couple of weeks. Uh, as always, it's just always so nice to see everyone's faces. Adam, I don't know where you are, but I hope you're going to take the mask off at some point so we can know that it's you. Um, but it's great. It's great to have so many of you on for this final segment, and we have a lot of very important things to discuss. And I'm going to just unmute our guest today. So I want to give a welcome. Let me see if I can see them all. Welcome, Deborah. Welcome, Aaron. Welcome, Gabby. And welcome, Adam. Ash and Esther. Are you sitting next to Avi? Oh, there you are. Okay, you unmuted yourself. Fantastic. Well, welcome, Avi. Okay, thank you all for joining. Rabbi, I thought this was about COVID, so I was prepared. <laughs> That's great. You're, you're dressed for the occasion. You're dressed for the occasion. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of introduction. I could go on and on with the introduction, but I know you want to hear from our esteemed guest today. So, you know, end of March, and we had a group of executive uh, board members who oversaw so much change in Nair Tamid. Uh, this group came on. Um, Max Jacob Olaf Shalom was the direct, executive director at the time. Uh, Noah Goldman, as far as we're concerned, was going to be the director of the school forever. Um, you know, we just had years and years and years of uh, Sam Wach being our youth director. So much consistent, so much was in place. And really, in over the time that, over the, the few years that this group has led the show, there has been such incredible change. And each of those changes, you know, it takes so much work. I mean, filling Max Jacob's shoes, I mean, that's something we, we can never do. Filling Noah Goldman's shoes, we can never do. And to try to figure out how to reimagine our shul. And as the shul, thank God, developed and grew. And, you know, the amount of meetings and the amount of text messages and WhatsApps and whatever that I, you know, was constantly interacting with this group was overwhelming. And this is all before March. You know, I was already thinking Shavuot's time. We're going to have a great, Deborah was going to buy a great, Cheesecake Kiddish. Um, don't worry, she's going to buy one next year. I, hope, I already put you down for it, Deborah. Thank you to the Hamburger family. Um, and we are going to celebrate an incredible, incredible few years where so much good change has taken place. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and this group of people who just thought that they were just like winding down, all of a sudden, just absolute chaos. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to mute themselves. There we go. Um, um, okay, yeah, absolute chaos. It was just absolutely crazy. And so what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to, we're going to have a chance to hear from these people who have really been keeping our shul afloat. Uh, it is crazy to think how much has gone on behind the scenes. You know, I posted something to Facebook a couple of minutes ago. Um, I was trying to find the text messages, the WhatsApp messages from the end of March when this all took place. And I was just scrolling on my WhatsApp feed, okay? So right, you have to keep on scrolling, like when you have old messages, trying to go back. And I, I, I spent about three minutes, and I got to June 1st. 
June 1st, that was the, the amount of messages and voice notes. I was just like, forget it. <laughs> it's just not happening. I'm not going back there. But to think the amount of interactions, you know, the shul doors have been closed, but the, the engine that has been keeping the shul, uh, namely, uh, this group of people who we're going to be speaking to today, uh, they have been so incredibly active. You know, we've been on these Zoom calls like all the time, uh, messaging and, and just keeping the shul afloat. So you tonight are going to have a chance to hear from these group, this group, this wonderful group of heroes. Uh, we're just going to be jumping around from, from section to section, and so we'll start, if it's okay. Aaron, is it okay if I pick on you? We're going to start with you? Sure. Okay, sure. fantastic. So Aaron Poland is our vice president, um, and Aaron has always made it his business to be involved with our activities more than anything else, uh, really gets involved in all of our events and helps planning them. So... Of course, our last big event was our Purim Pseudo, which was, if I, if I could say, a smashing success. It was, it was just a beautiful event. And we started hearing, you know, I remember at the Purim event, we were like joking around. You know, we had a comedian and I was making COVID jokes because back then, you know, it, was, it wasn't inappropriate to do so. It was kind of, it was just a joke. It was, it was I'm almost embarrassed to say that now because it's so inappropriate, but, but it was a joke. Um, so Aaron, maybe if you could just paint the picture for us that week or that week and a half, you know, between that crazy Purim Suda, and when we start, maybe if you if you even remember, like, well, what was actually, the process? I actually did go through, we had a WhatsApp group for the people who were planning the Purim Suda, mm-hmm. and since that one ended after the Purim Suda, it was a little easier to go back and look through those, which I did, and um, it was really interesting, because if you look back on March 5th, we had a series of messages that the event was sold out, <clears throat> And um, another thing that we you talked about consistency. Another thing that we've done for years until this year was we always had our Purim carnival that was led by the class, and particularly Marina uh, would put that on. And this was the first year she wasn't doing it, and we were going to try something different. So we were doing this dry Purim suitors community wide uh, event. And on March fifth. We were so excited that the event was sold out. There was actually, we had nearly 300 people coming to this event that we were hoping to get 100 people at. And then the rabbi says on this message, he says, Mazel Tov, we're sold out. That's very exciting. By the way, do you think we need to worry because there was the first diagnosed case in Maryland? Could you send me that text? Could you send me that, like a screenshot? That's crazy. Okay. And so, so if you if you think about it, March fifth, we're we're starting to talk about it, and the event's sold out. March tenth is Purim and the Suda, and by March twelfth, the schools were closed. That quickly, our lives just got turned upside down. But if you read the text from back then, it was sort of like a, do you think we need to worry? By the time the Suda rolled around, we had decided that we couldn't do a buffet; that everything would have to be served. Um, I remember some of us cleaning the backs of every chair with antibacterial wipes. I mean, it just, it, it was that quick that we, we realized that um, this, this was serious, but we still had no idea what we were in store for. And it was, it was the last event that we had before all of this. And um, it was, it's just eye opening to go back and look through the exchanges that were happening at the time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Imagine a thought of having 300 people in one room right now, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, 
It's and hard serving to, food at a buffet. And serving food at a buffet. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Really unbelievable to think it's actually, of. It's actually nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Aaron, since you clearly have much better access to your text messages than I do, maybe take, this, take us all through, if, if you recall or if you could access it, what do the next few days look like? So, yeah, we, we, we adapted a little bit, you know, and again, we were being, we thought, and I remember communally, I felt like we were being uh, very vigilant. No one at the time was even thinking about this. So maybe if you right. could remind us what the next few days look like, you know, until we closed down, the decisions that went into that. Well, one of the first discussions I remember is that the, I, I believe it was the comedian, we found out after the fact had been in contact with someone who had tested positive for COVID. And there was a, I remember a discussion at the time, do we need to disclose that to all of the people that were there? Is it, you know, are we over? We're, we were thinking that it was overboard. And now in retrospect, we probably would have said, of course we have to let people know. But at the time, it just felt like we were being hypervigilant. Um, even the measures we took is at, at the Suda, there was plenty of forum Sudas around town where, that were buffets and there was no, nothing really, be, nothing was changed. Um, Purim carnivals were operating at, like normal. Um, so we felt like we were being hypervigilant at the time. But afterwards, it was a little bit um, it was a little scary. In fact, going back into the shul a couple of weeks ago when we did the pop-up um, where people drove by to get things for Shabbos, it was the first time I was in the shul and realized that there were still items in the kitchen that needed to go back to the caterer. Right. From, because the last thing we had in there was in March. Right. Um, and uh, it was pretty quick after, after that that the, the VOD decided that we needed to, to shut down or all the shuls needed to shut down. And, um, you know, the, the, the main thing that I, that I can say about that whole time period is the people who jumped in um, to, to do things both on a formal level like um, – Rachel Shar pretty much from the get-go started, as soon as schools closed, she started doing a morning davening with whoever wanted to log on. And it was, um, my, my wife and I joked that it was, that she's sort of been like our Mr. Rogers through this uh, experience, um, giving the kids a sense of calm and consistency. Um, and people like Estelle just starting to call people and check in with them. I mean, it's just that all of that's been very inspirational. Right. Um, but but on our end, with what we with what the executive board has to deal with is a lot of the scary things, things having to do with finances and the school and you know how to how to keep the, the lights on. Um, and so it's it is sort of a blur to be honest with you. Right. 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 I think I think I, I agree with you. I think the, the word blur is, a, is an excellent, excellent word. And, and kind of going back into Shoal, I know for myself and seeing those signs or as we set up this past week for going back into Shoal and finding uh, papers from March, it just kind of, you know, you realize there's almost this like pause in life. Um, it's like a time so capsule. It's a ta- it like certainly it, is. It certainly is. So we yeah. have a, there's, there's a florist who's been who for months wanted to get in to get flower vases from an event that was in Shoal before right before Purim and um you know we wouldn't let anyone in out of you know an abundance of caution um but seeing stuff like that is kind of kind of freaky 
Yeah, totally, totally, totally. So yeah, so thank you. That's our first week, and there's a lot. There, there's a lot happening. Uh, you know, we we ended up if I, you know we ended up closing our shul a little bit earlier than other shuls in the community um, uh, for out of caution, and that was a decision that we had to make. Uh, I'll speak personally. I, I mean, you know, that was one of the more difficult decisions. At the you know, in retrospect, it's so simple, but at the time, the notion of closing down um, was was such a heavy decision, especially since we weren't mandated by the state and the vod was not. Not yet ready to say that that it had to happen, but I want to I want to move to something that you touched upon, Aaron. You talked about uh, some of the mainstays, some of the things that have kept us going. I want to maybe change gears a little bit to some of that that positive stuff. So, um, you know, Deborah Hamburger wears many hats. Actually, um, I think the one common denominator to all the hats she wears is all the stuff no one else wants to do. We we kind of dump on Deborah. So, um, so that's Deborah's hat. Um, that's, she, that's the way it is in my house, also. <laughs> as long as that's consistent. So, um, and she does it with such poise in class, and, and she's just wonderful. Um, so one of the hats that she wears and that she's actually worn for, for a very long time, um, as long as I've been in the shul, actually, um, has been in being involved with the youth. Um, and so, Deborah, maybe, you know, I'm looking at, at who's joining us. Uh, some people have children or grandchildren or whatever it is. Tell us, and Aaron touched upon this a little bit, but tell us a little bit about how we're able to connect to our families, both in our shul and school, you know, as a shul, we, we pride ourselves with something for everyone, and our, we're very much a family-centric shul. We, we care about our, our, our children. We, we pride ourselves with our groups. One of the first questions we had, of course, was how are we going to do that? So, so Deborah, maybe you could catch everyone up, up with how we did it, and maybe some of the behind-the-scenes challenges to keep that going, if you could speak to that. Sure. So, um, you know, we were, like all other schools um, and all other youth groups, trying to decide what the right thing to do was. And when all the other schools sort of made the decision to close, we knew that we had to close Montessori. But, you know, these are little kids who are used to going every day, seeing the same moras and teachers. And it was very jarring for them to just shut down. There was no closure for them. And it was probably very difficult for the parents also because... Really, we're, we're almost like a daycare that once these kids are home, parents can't go to work anymore. Um, and I know I'm, anybody who's reading a newspaper knows what it's like to have little kids underfoot and trying to work. Um, so we didn't make that decision lightly, um, but it seemed like it was an inevitable decision. Um, one of the things that we worried about was our teachers, of course. Um, we felt that given that we closed the school down three months early, that we couldn't charge full tuition, um, and we didn't, but we still paid our teachers for the entire year, um, which is something I think we should be very, very proud about. Um, but our teachers were wonderful. They, Some of them who really were not technologically savvy really learned how to get on Zoom. They Zoomed with their kids every morning. Um, they started sending out packets to the kids. Um, it's hard with preschoolers. They have a very limited attention span. Um, and they're also on the screen a lot, and parents are trying to keep them off of their computers and screens. So it was a tremendous challenge for our teachers to really try and keep that connection with them. Um, but I think that they did. Um, and we also even managed in the last couple of weeks to have some graduations um, on our property, which was nice, very small, outdoor, just a few kids at a time. But I think it was nice for those kids Again, to have sort of, I don't want to say closure, but to have that opportunity to see their teachers again and see a few of their classmates and sort of feel like they, there was an ending to the story. 
Um, and the teachers have been coming in one at a time, um, you know, with masks to try and reorganize their classrooms, clean up. Um, so we're, we're, we are fingers crossed so hoping that come August or September, we will be ready to open in whatever form that looks like, however the government decides we need to look like, but we are planning to be ready. So um, big shout out to the teachers for helping us make it happen. And Rachel's been wonderful. I mean, Erin alluded to her davening every day. It is, I only hear rave reviews about it. Um, luckily, I don't have kids that have ages that I need to tune in. Um, but she's done some really beautiful events. I know she was on one of these Tuesday night interviews. So for those of you who, who tuned into her, um, there was the Zoom box challenge. She just um, led the kids in a chalk the walk. So when everybody came back to school, they saw the sidewalks were decorated, welcoming everybody back. Um, we're going to be putting out Shabbos packets now um, for the kids before Shabbos. She collaborated with a lot of different synagogues, and we had a Disney drawing um, by a Disney illustrator. Um, so she's been very creative. Um, and the truth is, I hear from her and I hear from teachers in general, it's way harder way harder to be a teacher on Zoom than it is in the classroom. You have to be an entertainer, not just a teacher. So um, I think she's been doing a fabulous job and I think that people appreciate her. her the kids really just, it, again, it's consistency for them. It's seeing that familiar face for them. So it's been wonderful. Yeah, thank you. As, as someone who actually, you know, I, I, I teach adults, I teach the shul, and obviously if you sign on, you probably want to be there unless you press the wrong Zoom meeting, so that's usually easier to teach on Zoom, but I do teach a little bit in Beth Villa, and I, I will tell you, and these are 11th graders, but it is impossible <laughs> to say it, to say no better way to say it, to be able to engage on Facebook, you know, as, as, you know, teaching is so much more than just passing on the content, and it's just, it's, it's really awe-inspiring um, to have, that the, especially the younger teachers being able to connect their students on a constant basis, what it takes to be able to do that, and the consistency of Rachel, I mean, more than anything else, um, you know, something we highlighted during that, um, when we, when we celebrated Rachel as a, as a COVID hero, uh, the fact that she moved during this time, she actually, I think, moved, the day that she was was moving, she was zooming uh, from you know her new house while furniture was being moved around. I mean that that's that's dedication, um, and the children certainly appreciate it. To Aaron's point, you know it was their their uh, helper that they were able to see and and be able to get uh, some comfort with. Um, yeah, so thank you, and and so that, yeah, I think you know the fact that we're able to keep so much going on, especially with our children between the school and our and our youth, is a tremendous source of pride. Looking back at this time, uh, hoping that we don't have to continue this amazing creativity that took place, uh, but it, it's an amazing source of pride to know how much took place in our show and how much programming we're able to 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 bring to people and to be able to connect to people in that way is really really special. Uh, but you touched upon something, you know, one of the which I would say was the other to me personally the other most challenging moment during all of this. Uh, the first was, again, closing down the shul, which again, sounds so silly now, but at the time was just overwhelming. The other was uh, trying to keep our teachers paid. Um, th these were texts I was actually really trying to find. Uh, again, it just was taking too long to get there, but uh, there was a Friday, um, and, and there was a Friday, if you all recall, where we had to make some really, really tough decisions about our staff. Um, I, I'd love to, to hear from the person really behind this effort to get the, the loan uh, that we were trying to get, but 
it was it was a very 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 emotional day personally I, I remember um, you know stopping as we were trying to figure out and navigate this incredibly difficult situation of what are we going to do with our staff do we have to let our staff go are we able to keep them and just recognizing how lost I think we all were and like there's there's no training for this there's no there's no way to figure out what the right or wrong decision is and to and for that to be so incredibly apparent it, it was very heavy i remember you know speaking to the group at the time and just stopping and saying like I, i'm stopping right now i'm saying some to him right now because i don't know how to go on i just i i'm complete i feel completely completely at a loss um, but I, I want to hand things over to avi jandorf at jandorf avi is our treasurer and he <laughs> is a whiz with the numbers of the shul, is constantly pointing out all this crazy information that we had never, never been aware of. And, you know, you speak about as, as you come to close these two years, you know, how much ground we've covered in, in really fixing up our finances and really making sure that we have a handle on them. And then Avi, after all the work thought, okay, great two years. I I really accomplished so much. And then we said, Hey, we got to get this loan. Who's going to take care of it. And somehow, uh, Deborah, this didn't go to you amazingly. Uh, but this, this went to Avi. So Avi, tell us about this crazy loan that caused such a ruckus across the country. And I know caused an incredible emotional ruckus with us. Tell us a little bit about the loan and what went on uh, leading us up to, to some of these fateful decisions. Sure, Rabbi, uh, and thank you. And unlike Aaron and Deborah, I haven't, you know, prepared a speech or anything like that. But uh, you know, that that day was, you know, it was very interesting. And at the time, we were prepared through various Jewish organizations that provided webinars and informational sessions, and and just a lot of information indicating that the the amount of funds at the time for um, small businesses would be very limited. Um, so this is something that we knew we had to jump on right away. We had indications that we had to stay up into the middle of the night or two in the morning to get this done. So I was kind of sleeping with one eye open that night, you know, just because how much and how important it is to the show and how important it is to all the teachers that we had to pay. So, um, you know, it, it was just something that, and it's very complicated loan forgivable loan real really more of a conditional grant than a forgivable loan you know because um, everyone's looking to get it forgiven in the end um, which we're still hoping to do but you know that friday was very chaotic and it was very much a situation hoping to get all the information gathered as much as possible that we had to provide to the bank to get this information in and to get the money um, so we could pay the staff um yeah and, and it was just it was very chaotic and you know, just the whole time thinking about how much and how important the school really is to the show. And that's really something that I've learned uh, over the past two years. Uh, but it's really been emphasized much more over the last three or four months during this time and seeing how financially important the school is. Um, that's not something I really knew before jumping into this position, but it's become abundantly you know, clear at this point in time. And, Throughout my experience. Can I just give a shout out to two people who are on the Zoom call? Yes, please do. Follow. That's a good point. The one is Esther Jandorf, who yes. helped us with uh, that. We she had to rewrite some stuff, and also Dina Bernstein, who also walked us through this. That's so right. I just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I really wanted to give them a that's, shout out. That, that was the craziest day, and um, really, it was all hands on deck. 
Yeah. No, so we're doing the social distancing through two different windows. <laughs> That's right. Oh my, you guys are really from. Um, <laughs> so, but but you know, it's funny. We're we're actually. I, I'm thinking of a different Friday. I'm thinking of the next Friday because if you remember, and again, going back to Aaron's point that this being a blur. The first Friday was, yeah, with incredible input from Dina and from Esther, you know, to get us lined up so we could have it all in order and, and make sure everything is written up properly. Again, this isn't, no, no one's background, you know, writing these things up and making sure it's done perfectly. And, and you were able to get it with their help. Uh, you were able to get us, uh, you know, the application in. The problem was, correct me if I'm wrong, right? We didn't get it. Or like we heard ambiguous information like, oh yeah, we got it, but... Talk to you later. So, Thank you. It was, yeah, but we never, exactly. it never processed. All the money went to the Los Angeles Lakers initially, so we were <laughs> That's kind of right. shut out in the beginning, and I happened and everyone else. But either way, you know, so it was kind of stressful going through that process because all the, the big businesses that probably didn't need it, you know, were kind of naming them case by case as, as they were being named in the news. But, right, right. You know, either way. We, so we ended up getting, you know, being able to get the forgivable loan or the conditional grant, whatever you want to call it, in the second round. Yeah, so obviously. Right. Obvi yeah, yeah. I think the rabbi is talking about, though, we had actually had a meeting that was very uh -huh. difficult where we had decided that we were going to need to inform the staff that they were going to be furloughed. And it was a long meeting where we had discussed well, with this extra unemployment benefit from the federal government, a lot of the teachers will still be doing okay. And it was a tough decision that we weren't looking forward to making, and it was very uh, kind of depressing. It and was just, the worst. It and was just as we were, it was, it was the day that we were supposed to make that announcement to the staff that the actual funding for the PPP came through. And we ended up not having to do that. Right. I had already, I had already sent an email to the board telling them that we had made this decision and talking to them about it and gotten some responses back of like, oh, we're, you know, this is awful and wow, I can't believe we have to do that. And I had the blessing of being able to then send another one less than 24 hours later and go, wait, wait a second, we got it. We don't have to do this. It's going to be okay. For now, it's going to be okay. And that was even better responses because everybody was like, well, I can't believe, thank God, you know, we had to, we're sorry we had to make these kinds of decisions. And at the same time, wow, we're so lucky that we got this so we don't have to make that decision. Right. And so we're just to appreciate this, just to appreciate this group. So first of all, yeah. And Gabby, correct me if I'm wrong. The teachers, this is all, I, I think the first time this is some, you know, the board knew about this. We never even told this to the teachers. If there are any teachers here. We love you. We are, we're so happy that we didn't have to do this to you because uh, it, was, it was killing us. It was really so overwhelming because, uh, you know, even with, as Aaron pointed out, we did the math and, and with unemployment, um, but we were trying so hard to avoid that, obviously, at all costs. But, but at the end of the day, we just didn't have the money to be able to pay our staff. Um, and so the other piece, if you recall, that, that this group was able to set up, you know, go, bending over backwards, trying to make sure that our staff would be cared to the, to the nth degree if we had to do this, was we had reached out to someone who works uh, for, uh, within this department, within the unemployment department, someone high up, to actually uh, set something up to walk our staff through the, the, the unemployment process because it could be a challenging process. You know, this group was really, you know, trying so hard to make sure that the staff was cared for as much as possible. But again, it was such a, such a difficult decision. We're about to let everyone go. And then, like Aaron pointed out, like in the nick of time, Gabby pointed out, there's an email probably saved, which you should keep and add to Aaron's text message he's going to send me. But when we make our COVID scrapbook, uh, that email that was going to go out, 
um, that we were going to be informing them of this terrible, terrible news. Um, thank God, thank God, thank God. And thanks again to Avi. Um, and with help from Esther and Dina, we're able to get this loan in. And that was really, really amazing. So that was, that was a lifesaver. And uh, so thank you. And I know there's still a lot of work that's going into to updating it and maintaining that loan to make sure that everything goes smoothly when it's all said and done. So I'm going to change gears just a tiny bit right now. So one thing, you know, we did a little bit, uh, sorry, something, one, something we did just a short little while ago was we sent a poll out to the shul, you know, for, for so long from when this started and especially through Pesach, really through Shavuos, I felt like we were just like, I don't know about you, but I was just on a treadmill. Like we're just running, 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 running and didn't have a sense to stop. And then there is the sense finally where, okay, we see hopefully if trends continue in the right direction, you know, talks about moving forward, stages. Um, and I think people got more of a rhythm. And so we're able to kind of pause and we checked in with our membership and, you know, to see how we're doing, to see how connected people are. Um, I know many people here who are on this call did take a moment to answer that, that poll that we sent out. I believe it was about 95 people responded, which is a, a nice significant number. So I'm going to hand things over to our chair, um, who always, you know, kind of takes that, that big picture um, and really tries very hard to be in touch with uh, the pulse of the community. And I know this poll was, was helpful in trying to, to really get a sense from the community. So Gabby, um, I don't think anyone's really seen that poll just yet, other than, than this immediate group. We haven't even had a board meeting yet. Um, so maybe if you could share with this group a little sneak peek um, with those of us on Facebook and Zoom right now, just a little bit about the poll and what it taught us about how we did and how we're doing right now as a community. Sure. Before I do that, I have to give Kavod. My mother is on this call uh, from Boca in Boca Raton, Florida. I miss her very much, but I also just want to say that I would not be a Jewish communal professional without my mother as the matriarch of our family showing us how to do this. So I just, first of all, love you, mom, and just want to give her a cola Kavod myself. Um, okay, so I took some notes from the poll. First of all, it was an amazing thing to see that 95 people, like you said, Rabbi, took the time. I have done a lot of surveys in my days, and the fact that we had 95 people thirsty to be able to give their um, their opinion to us was first it was amazing. And I also want to say that at one point when we asked for opinions or feedback within like actual responses, we got over a third. We got 35 people that responded in in data analysis that's mind-blowingly huge. So that was amazing. And to all of you here, I thank you for your information. So first of all, like you said, Rabbi, we had 95 people who responded. We had about 44 women and 50 men. Um, and the first question that we asked that I thought was really telling was about whether people would feel comfortable coming back inside the shul. And 48 people said, you know, within the boundaries of what the CDC and the state of Maryland and the, um, the Rabbeim were saying was, yeah, you know, 48 people said, yes, I would feel comfortable coming into shul. 33 people were unsure and 14 people were like, nope, this is not yet for me. And that is authentic information that we needed to have and um, to be able to figure out if we were going to try and when we were going to try reopening. So the first week that we did reopen, which was last week, um, we had about 35 men, I think, and 10 women. So even though of the 95 people, almost 50% said that they were going to come, not everybody did, whether that was because they just yet, even though they said that they would be ready, they weren't yet ready. Um, maybe some people were out of town. It was also 95 degrees outside. So I look forward to seeing you guys soon as you feel comfortable because it was really amazing. Um, 
62 people answered the question about how they feel connected to the shul that they felt about the same, that even with this COVID, it, it didn't diminish their connection to Ner Tamid. 18 people actually said it was stronger because they felt that there were new ways within the, which to engage with the synagogue. Um, 12 people said that it was weaker, and I think that's to be expected just because this is a weird thing to do your davening, especially for Orthodox Jews, um, through through tele, you know, telecommunications, through technology. It's very weird to do that. Um, and I just wanted to give you guys a couple of the answers that we got as to how people were really feeling. So I wrote them down, just a few of them. One person said that the lack of shul showed them how much shul and ner tamid is actually a part of the core of their life. So the distance, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. That's what it was for them. Um, another person said that they absolutely loved having Kabbalat Shabbat and Havdalah online. That to them was very special. Uh, one person, I love this line, Ner Tamid is not a lifestyle. It's not just a building. Ner Tamid is a lifestyle. It's not just a building. Amazing. We need to put that on t-shirts. Um, some other people said that they loved having our tefillah outside. That was very meaningful for them, but they looked forward to coming back inside. Maybe that was for air conditioning and wind <laughs> and rain. Um, some people really missed the social aspects as well, which I can attest to. I really miss seeing my friends and, you know, with the busy lives that we have, sometimes shul is the only time that we can see them and a kiddish. Um, and some people were really very touched with the Yisker book that you rabbi put together um, and making sure that people didn't lose the opportunity to remember those that they lost in a time of loss. So that was really impactful for them. Other people said that they had Zoom fatigue, um, but I also want to just take a moment, and I know that Rabbi Motzen doesn't like being spoken about, but I'm going to speak about you for a second. Um, uh, I'm not on the, I'm, I'm doing the interviewing, Gabby. <laughs> Sorry. And I, and I, and I could press mute. <laughs> you can press mute if you want to, that's fine. Um, the, the main thread through everything was Rabbi Motzen, Rabbi Motzen, Rabbi Motzen, Rabbi Motzen. His, your um, idealism and, and compassion and phone calls that you made and making sure that people still felt connected and doing this in a really meaningful way was actually, I think, the thing that I read the most in the survey that people really felt the most impacted by. Um, and, you know, we are a congregation, but we have a head of our congregation, and, and that's you. And I just wanted to say that you are my COVID hero, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people on this call that would feel the same. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been worth it without you. And so I am just going to thank you on behalf of the congregation. Thank you, Gabby. Um, you're welcome. Because that's I mean, if you look at the data, that's what it says. So outside of everybody else, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> thank um, you, Gabby. You're welcome. To talk about one other thing, um, what else can be done virtually was a really interesting question. If you know, like for what I have learned a lot about in this time, just in my own personal work at CJE, is that some things we don't want to get rid of. You know, even though we've had to, we've had to kind of pivot and we've learned new ways of engaging. It doesn't mean that we have to go back to what we what we did before. And actually, Rabbi, um, you spoke about this this past week at, um, in your sermon. Was you know what can we learn about this and you know how do we change ourselves? So some of the things that people really loved was the drive through event. They would love to do another one of those, which I think we should try to figure out a way to do. Um, everybody loved the classes online and your speeches in particular. People really love hearing you speak. So that's the data. Um, and I just wanted to give like a personal kind of insight what it was like for me this past week coming back into the shul. So um, 
Penny Zimmerman and a bunch of the Brotherhood members, including my husband, uh, were there the weekend of Father's Day, that Sunday, uh, really kind of structuring what it was going to look like when we were able to come back into show, figuring out chairs and distance and six feet that way and plastic and all of these crazy things. And, you know, that felt very sterile, like trying to figure out the details of it all. And I walk up to the shul. I see the beautiful chalk that's on the floor that all the kids did outside. I did have to talk to the security guard. I was very happy he was there asking me all of my questions. I walk inside and, you know, see all these people. And it it didn't feel sterile. It felt beautiful. It felt meaningful. It felt like I was home. So I mentioned this to Rabbi Motsen yesterday, and I'm going to share it here, that, you know, when the Torah was being brought back, we are in this, we're in the social hall, and we had the doors to the sanctuary open, and we had our Balkore, who's one person doing everything, walk the Torah back in. I am so used to that Torah walking by me and me being able to kiss the Torah as it's walking by. And it was like, wait, whoa, wait a second. I'm, I'm here, but I'm not with the Torah, like it felt very weird to me. And then the Torah gets brought back up and I'm kind of peeking, trying to get through, look through the doors so I can actually see the Torah being brought up. And we had to kind of pause to make sure the Torah had been brought up so we could start saying, Eitz Chaim He. That was, I almost started crying. Like that was such a powerful moment for me to think, okay, I'm back. But yet I'm still at a distance, you know, like there's still a disconnect that we may not get back for some time. So as I do hope that people when they are ready and feel comfortable and safe, do come back to shul because we're waiting for you. We can't wait to see everybody. We can't wait to have everybody gathering around safe distance, gather around the Torah and with each other as much as we can. And, you know, the fact that we had a kiddish this week, you know, because Nair to me can't do anything without a kiddish, it seems. You know, we had beautiful cookies from Shara Perlman and a bottle of water was really just, you know, the cherry on top of a really meaningful day. Um, And 95 degrees or not, it was worth it. Wow. So thank you for so, for so much for sharing that that very personal, moving uh, moment, which I'm sure will stick with you. And actually, for the rest of you who are unmuted, I'm, I'm going to come back to you some 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 of, the, some of that along those lines in just a moment because that that's uh, I, I just you know we're, we're all going to to Aaron's point before it's going to be a blur, and in like five years or ten years from now, it's moments like that that, that are going to stick with you, and some of, so much else of it is just going to be gone. So it's so important right now to be reflecting on what are those moments that really stuck out for us as individuals, as a community. Um, and so I'm, I'm confident in 10 years we'll be talking about that. You'll be talking about that at time. Um, and, and also to your point, you know, um, about things that are going to ch- stay. Uh, you know, we got a lot of good feedback about doing this Havdalah. Um, little uh, inside knowledge over here without getting into all halachic analysis. You're not supposed to make Havdalah twice. So I make Havdalah in Shul. And my wife makes Abdullah here. So being at home making Abdullah has been a win, 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 win. Um, and then we go on Facebook and, you know, I don't know, Zoom, and there's like 200 people or so watching it on Facebook um, over the course of the week, 200, 300 people, which is amazing. And we're able to, to finish the, start the new week together, which is such a beautiful thing. Um, but I will tell you, and I just want to just encourage all of you, and maybe two weeks into this or three weeks into this, I was reading a random article about comedians during coronavirus. And they were saying, and this article, the New York Times, um, was describing this one comedian who uh, was trying new things to adapt to Zoom shows. Because irregular comedy shows are so interactive, right? Uh, They're picking on the the people in the audience and things like that. They're playing off the crowd. And they don't have that. And so uh, this one comedian was really um, trying new things, just trying to be really out of the box and like, who cares? I have nothing to lose at this point. Obviously, we don't have the regular setting, so I'm just going to try new things. And 
It's a weird thing to be inspired by, but I was so inspired by that. I was like, wow, this is such a good time to just try new things. And some things will stick. You know, I tried a lot of new things during this time. Some things did not stick. Remember essential wisdom, that idea? Yeah, I pulled that. It didn't work. It's okay. But we try new things. And, and you know, the Yisker book, that is here for good. We are, and Aaron, I want to thank Aaron for inspiring that. Uh, he had a variation, kind of moved it together. But this was, you know, this was inspired by Aaron. And I appreciate that. And, and we tried it and it was awesome. Havdalah, we're keeping it. So, and, but it, I'm not spe- just speaking as a community, as individuals. Like, this is it. This is your opportunity. So many people have taken on new hobbies, new interests, new learning, new praying in different, just try new things. Try to, this is an opportunity to explore yourself uh, more than any other. So not just as an institution, as as an organization and community, but as an individual, I've tried a lot of things for myself that I haven't done before. And I I really just encourage you to do the same. So thank you, Gabby, for for bringing that point out. So Adam, I'm gonna gonna turn to Adam over here. Adam, I believe, is our longest standing um, executive board member, I believe, right, Adam? You've been president forever, slash uh, chairperson forever. um, for quite some time, and so you, you've, you've seen the show through, through quite a bit, and you also looked at this data, and I know one of the big questions in everyone's mind is, uh, you know, we're, we're calling it the high holidays, but I think the high holidays to me is just the tip of the iceberg. The real question is, what's the future of the show, right? So high holidays represents to so many people the next big moment, but there's so many unknowns, and you, Adam, more than, than many others, you're on the front line, you, you, are, you, are at a, you are at a facility where you're, you're facing COVID all the time. You know, when I, you came to that, that uh, drive-through, I didn't recognize you, you look like an alien, you're like all decked out, uh, you're just coming from, from the office. Um, so, so you know what's going on. You know, some of us are kind of able to look the other way sometimes, but you know what's going on. There's a lot of uncertainty for the future, and we're all feeling that. And, and one of the places we're feeling that, to Gabby's point, it's, it's a home, it's more than just a building, uh, where, where people are uncertain about the future. So maybe if you could speak to that, high holidays, and just the general future, what are your thoughts, what are your feelings about going ahead, and, and what Nairtama is going to look like, 2020, 2021? Take it away, Adam. Um, first of all, thank you, and thank you, Rabbi, for setting this up. Um, Gabby, I can't let you show me up, so I'd like to pay cover to my parents who are also on the, the call. Um, <laughs> my mother and father, who obviously, you know, did a good enough job raising me to get me to where I am now. Thank you so much. Um, honestly, um, where is the future of Neratamid? What is the future of Neratamid? Um, the future of Neratamid is very bright. Um, I've seen a lot uh, over the last four months or so. I've seen some pretty, some pretty, pretty tough stuff. Um, it's hard to, you know, we're all in, in a, um, we're all in a, in a very tough spot in regards to being in confinement, uh, not seeing family, not seeing friends. Um, but I have to tell you going, going into work every day, with the people that, that I have to treat and, and that, you know, we're trying to, to get better and keep safe. For them not to have access to their family, for their family not to have access to them, it's a tough thing every single day. And as Gabby pointed out, and, and really all of us have pointed out, Nair Tamid is a family. Um, there's no other way to describe it. Uh, I've never seen a shul like this before. 
Uh, I've never been a part of a shul like this before. Um, you know, I've always been a part of small time shuls, um, small community shuls. Uh, but we're a small time, small community shul in a very large community. And it is such an amazing family. So to not be able to go to shul and see your extended family is a very difficult thing. I've been missing this a lot. I've been a part of the Havdalah, the, you know, pre-Shabbat, you know, but there, there's nothing like going to shul, to seeing your family, to talking to your friends, to being a part of the spiritual growth um, of Ner Tamid. And I, I from, from hearing what I'm hearing, seeing what I'm seeing um, about the future in general, about COVID, um, I'm, I have a lot of faith that this is slowly uh, coming to a peak. And I, I firmly believe that even though Nair Tamid doesn't look exactly the same right now, uh, we will get back into the sanctuary. We will become a family again, even though we're kind of a family separated, kind of gullus type of, you know, all over the, 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 the world, you know. Um, we will soon be back in our sanctuary. We will soon be back in our seats. We will soon be davening and praying together just like we were before. It'll be just as special, if not more. We will pray harder. We will be closer together. And God willing, God will see this. God will, you know, look down on us and see what we've done. And, and he'll reward us, you know, as a community, as a family. Awesome. Well, thank you, Adam. Almain, first of all, yeah. Rabbi Adam. No, but really, I appreciate, I appreciate those sentiments. I really do. Um, and you're right, you know, like, uh, we're doing what we can, you know, Rahmana Liba Bayi, the Talmud tells us. Like, God wants our heart, and our heart is definitely in the right place. We're all doing as much as we possibly can. We have our limitations. Uh, so whether that means, you know, whatever that means to each and every one of us, but God will and is seeing that and, and hopefully we'll be able to, to go back to some semblance of what was. Um, I also would like to add that this group of people that you're hearing from right now is, you know, for any of you who know any of them, it, it's, it's a pretty varied group, which, which really provides for some very colorful, colorful meetings. Uh, we will never share that, that, that chat I just mentioned public to public knowledge because it's crazy. But you know what? It, it comes together and it, it, there's such a wide variety of perspectives and creativity and people pushing in so many different directions at once, not even like a give and take, it's like all over the place. It's like, a, a, I don't even know how to describe it, but, but what comes out in the final result is that something meaningful comes out. You have so many different novel perspectives. No one's just agreeing with everyone else. Uh, and because of that, uh, I, I'm fairly confident, to Adam, to your point, that we'll figure out something. You know, we, we threw out some possible ideas, early davening, late davening, uh, outside davening on the high holidays, but just like that, we will, I, I, I share your uh, optimism and, and you know your optimism in the sense that we will come up with some some solid ideas to be able to persevere into the future. The, the future is bright. So I'm going to. I, I love what Gabby did and just shared a Nair Tamid related memory. Something that I'm fairly confident in ten years from now she'll be looking about. I'm just curious if I could just jump to each of you if you want to just share very briefly with the rest of us if there's one thing that sticks out good or bad you know i shared some some very scary moments on my end you know the closing down and with the ppp loans uh you know not getting that and thing but if there's any moment more than anything else that that you think 
you know, that just, just is with you, that you think about, that, that you know you will be thinking about in the future. Uh, maybe just to give us all a sense of the emotions that go into the decisions that you are making on a constant basis. There are very difficult decisions that this group is constantly making about the well-being of our staff, about our shul, about the people's safety, um, security, so many weighty decisions. And so maybe just give us a little bit deeper about, you know, something that really resonated deeply during this time with you to help us understand you and, and what goes into some of the different things. Uh, just because, oh, Gabby, you're waving? Are you going? Yeah, or? I'll go first if okay, you Okay, go ahead, please. Um, we already spoke about it, but I have to tell you the day, I almost call it Black Friday, like the day, in a bad way, the day um, that we almost had to let go of our teachers. I didn't sleep. I was sick to my stomach. I, I was I was in tears. That was one of the worst days. And I, I am a trained um, supervisor. I, I know how to do this. I have had to let people go before. This didn't feel anything like that. I mean, forget about the multitude, the number, the impact it was going to have. Like, I was so sick. I, I, I you know, I, I, my husband, Avery, was like, what can I do for you? Like, and I was like, there's nothing. There's really, there's really nothing. I'm not going to sleep for days. This Shabbat is going to be disgusting. Like, I just can't, I don't even know what to do. I told um, my supervisor at the CJE that something was going on and I needed to take some time because I couldn't focus. It was just the worst. And having that, seeing that email from Avi and Chava um, was just, oh my God, I like started to cry and I was sweating and it was just the most exuberant moment of my time with with Nair Tamid and we've had some ups and downs and some doozies in our past two and a half years um that was the best so it was like a positive and a negative moment all wrapped up into one that I just to be honest with you I would not want to do without like that to me just goes to show the the importance of what we're doing the impact positively and negatively about the decisions that we make but that we that we're doing this for the right reasons and it was the worst and the best. Beautiful. Beautiful. May I fail the Absolutely. From the That's darkness right. to the light. That's right. That's right. Okay. Am I going to have to pick on people? Deborah, I'm going to pick on you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I would have to, so probably two things stand out in my mind. One for sure was that Friday. Um, I just, I've never felt like I had people's lives in my hands before. Um, and it was a terrible feeling. It was just, I, I'm getting for clump now, just thinking back about it. It was such a hard decision. Um, so I'm glad that it worked out well. Um, but on the positive side, when we had the drive-through and Miss Noah was in her element and she saw all of her all of her Montessori kids coming by and it was a love fest. It was an absolute <laughs> love fest. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. Um, and it was just, it was, it, it wasn't the send off we had hoped for Miss Noah. But it certainly, it certainly, I, I think, demonstrated to her just all of her years of work, what it, what it meant to people. So I, I just, I will remember that. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and, and, and for anyone who wasn't there, just to explain, you know, we spent so long figuring out how to have the flow of traffic so that there'll be no car stopping whatsoever. And, and Noah was supposed to be there, kind of just like waving at the families. But anyone who knows Noah knows that she couldn't just sit in a seat and wave. She didn't even look at the seat. She put her bag on the seat and she just went around and she was like running like Mary Poppins, like just running from like person to person, schmoozing with them and like, 
like all the cars are held up because each family just was so happy to see them and they were so happy to see her. It was really, really touching. Like you said, we're certainly not our, our send off. We, we certainly are going to have a chance to, to thank Noah, but it was such a beautiful, beautiful moment where this woman who's so full of love for all of her students who didn't get to see them and they didn't get to see her and, and to see that was just, it was, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Thank you. Adam, am I, call, am I calling people? I'm not doing that. Come on, who's going? Aaron, take it away. You're off mute, okay. so you're going to have to go. <laughs> um, on the, I guess, the more downside, uh, there was a, a message that you left on our WhatsApp group. It was a lengthy message after the VOD met, or, and, and you had kind of were leaning towards we should close now, and you just typed, please listen to this message. Uh, that I just left. You like typed in bold letters, and you're not someone who who puts things in bold um, <laughs> text message. And hearing the message and realizing the gravity of what we were about to experience, and, and it kind of like it wasn't just about the shul for me, but I just remember hearing that message and, and hearing, oh, we're not going to be able to daven, we're not going to be able to. The shul is going to be locked down. And then that started making me think about, well, what about my businesses? And what about, it's just, it was like a bit of a a domino effect emotionally for me that day. Um, When I heard that, it just was sort of, that was like the first domino was shows closing. And then it started all these other things. And that was, that was, was, and frankly continues to be very difficult to what we're all dealing with. Um, I'll tell you that a few of the moments that, that I will remember on a positive direction were the, some of the Kabbalah Shabbos or Rachel's Davenings where it's like, where I get a, a hint of inspiration. Um, I don't remember which one. I think it may have been Yehuda Green that we did with the New York. Mm-hmm. Was that? Yep. Okay. And there was, um, there was chats going on during it. And it was New Yorkers saying, how are you guys doing down there? Are you guys okay? And people from here saying, I hope you guys are doing all right. And that part I'll always remember, and um, it really inspired me. I did want to say one other thing just because I don't want to miss the opportunity um, to give one other shout-out. That um, our director of operations, who started pretty much right before this all happened, Kava Bar, and has really, I mean, just looking at the text messages from around that time where it was like, oh, we have to notify people who have rentals. Oh, we have to cancel the trash pickup. Oh, Sion's delivers. I mean, the, the, the volume of things that she had to take care of and remember while being brand new in this position and navigating everything with the school. And I honestly think while we're the five people in this group right now that are answering the questions about what it was like to navigate the shul through it, um, I, I think we're all probably in agreement that we wouldn't have been able to do that without her because she really implemented so much of it and had so many, um, and she's been there every day helping navigate it. So I just wanted to make sure to mention that. Yeah, that's such a, thank you so much, Aaron, for doing that. And if, if anyone on this call has not yet met Chava, um, our director of operations, I, I encourage you to. She is just the most efficient, uh, just pleasant, professional person. And she has, we'd be completely lost without her during this time. She has done 
a thousand jobs in one person. It's just, it's, it's really, truly amazing. Uh, we are very fortunate. She is a rock star. She's a rock star. That's a good way of putting it. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, to that point. Avi, take it away. if, If you don't mind. Unmute. All right. Well, I can't remember the question, but as, as far as the, the impact and, you know, what's left an impression on me during this time, um, some people here know that I kind of grew up in Naratame. I went to Shul, you know, early Sunday mornings on Shabbos, high holidays with my grandfather. So that was really the, the first impression and the impact that I had initially, that it was very davening centric. But with this time has represented for me and what I've come to understand is that there's a lot more you can do other than just davening because davening is not really my strong suit. It's it's a difficult thing for me to, to do really and to connect to. I, I really struggle with that all the time. So what I've come to learn though through this process and especially through the last three months is that there's a lot you can do to make an impact and to really further and better things that, you know, that everyone else is doing. And, you know, also I see some of the people that have made an impact through the years. And so I've only been here doing this for two years, but I see people like, you know, Carl Lazaro or Henry Reitberger, you know, people who have been doing this and been living this, you know, for a number of, long number of years, well, before I've been doing this. So, you know, I see the impact that they've made and me just kind of picking up where they left off, so to speak, and, you know, learning from them. And being able to make an impact outside of davening, which is not my strong suit, I think that's really what's had the most impact on me over the last three months. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I think that's such a it's such a good point. Like the the variety, like it's it's a community, and 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 I think Gabby mentioned it from someone someone else who gave that feedback earlier. The the fact that not having it kind of made us look at what does Nairtamid mean to me from a, from a different angle. And like you said, there's so many people on this call. Uh, I'm looking at the top of my screen. I see. Harry over here, a longtime treasure. You filled the shoes, um, you know. But but yeah, and 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 certainly Carl, who's still very active. Uh, you know, just so many, so many people. I could go on, like literally every person on this call. Uh, but everyone, you know, volunteers. We're still full of volunteers, and everyone connects to it in a different way, and it's really special. It really, really is. Um, so yeah, it's given us an opportunity to do that. Adam, it looks like you like just like the announcements. You give the final word. Take it away, Adam. <laughs> Uh, except for I won't, I won't tell any jokes on this, this part, but, <laughs> okay. um, and actually, whose birthday is it this week? I'm just uh, kidding. <laughs> it's my uh, wife's birthday this week. Happy birthday, Casey. <laughs> uh, so actually just in the nick of time, uh, we had another COVID hero just pop on. Hey David. Uh, that I, I wanted to give a shout out to, um, you know, you say that I'm on the front line. Yes, to some extent, but uh, Dr. David Main, good friend, um, you know, big hero for COVID, but big hero for Nair Tumid. Welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight and for your interview before. We really appreciate everything that you and the entire Mercy family is doing for the entire city of Baltimore and every COVID patient out there. So thank you. Um, in regards to my moment my i don't really have a, a specific moment I, I can honestly say that that these are my moments um zoom thank god for zoom um it's it's th- these are my moments the moments that we do before shabbos the moments we do after shabbos because we can't have shabbos right now or we hadn't had shabbos before so the ability to see our faces, you know, the Naratomid faces, to be able to hear the voice and see the face of, of Irma Pretzfelder is 
so meaningful to me to be able to know that she's okay, to know that she's still a part of our family, um, to, to see in the Motsi, the Motsi Shabbos, the Havdalah, to see all the families, the kids going down to Ian Jandorf and to the Jandorf family, to be a part of that. I mean, we, we span generations and to be able to still be connected, to be able to still see everybody, it, it's just, it warms my heart. And to be honest with you, it, it just, again, shows why Naratamid is the most unique show in Baltimore. There's Ian. Hey, Ian. Wave, Ian. Everyone say hi to Ian. Youngest person on the Zoom call. It's late, <laughs> man. <laughs> Um, it just it just goes to show from from the rabbi to the board to the congregation to all the people behind the scenes. Nertam, it is absolutely the top in this city. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. So, uh, you know, we, we, first of all, thank you all for taking the time, uh, everyone, especially this group of people. Um, and, and I just it, been trying. We we're supposed to have Shavuos, and of course, I would have had a chance to thank them all. And I've been trying to quantify the the time, and, and I can't quantify energy. And I, I I've been trying to figure out how much time this group spends on Shul. And I'll be honest, I'm a little annoying. Like I'm constantly dreaming about Shul. I I wake up like if I don't know very early, and I don't go to whatever it is, and I, I have to hold myself back from texting them like before eight. I'm like eight. Hopefully the they're up. But I'm really annoying because like I'm always thinking about it. And I'm always like trying to get them to do things, and they're all laughing because they probably talk about this behind my back, and that's okay. Um, and I just like want to keep things moving. But you know they have everyone has lives. Like this is my job, and you all have families and businesses and and lives. And and I need you. I need this group because I, I couldn't do anything without you. But I am constantly 